Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Before we get into today's podcast, just a quick note, we've got the next instalment of the UK Investor Magazine virtual conferences coming up next Wednesday, the 7th of December. Um, There's going to be Tech Capital and Power Metal Resources presenting. So if you're not yet signed up, do check out the notes to this podcast, as well as the events section on the UK Investor Magazine website, where you'll be able to find a link to sign up for free for that event. So today's podcast, we're going to be looking at the markets. We're going to be looking at a couple of UK equities. And to do that once more, we have with us Alan Green. Alan, thanks for much for being the podcast today. Morning, John. Good to be back. So, Alan, we were speaking last week, and the topic was really around you know, what the FTSE 100 could do going forward as as the UK uh, looks to be entering or, or already in a recession. And you know, we explored the notion that indeed the FTSE 100 could be breaking to all time highs at a time that. The UK is in a recession, and you know, one of the main reasons that we looked at for that was was China, and you know obviously what's happening over there on the last weekend. It does really suggest and really highlight the importance of what's happening in the world's second largest economy here in London. Because looking at what the FTSE 100 has done this morning, Alan, it's um, peaked out at around seventy five fourteen. We have to go back to August where we saw a high of 75.50. So it's, it's made some you know, pretty astounding gains from the lows that we saw that were below 7,000 uh, in, uh, in recent months. And it's really being driven this morning by what's happened in China over the weekend. Of course, there were protests there. You know, It's not unusual to see protests in China, but what was unusual was that there were calls for their leader to stand down and, and for the Communist Party to stand down there, which of course were massive concerns for markets yesterday. But what we've seen overnight is there's a massive police presence there, so those protests have died down somewhat. But there has been a reaction. Of course, these, these protests were really people coming out onto the street to protest against how the Chinese government was dealing with the, the COVID outbreak there. They were still seeing records, COVID numbers there, but you know, there was you know the tragic news of a, of a fire in a tower block that, that killed many people. And, you know, there's reports, I've seen reports on on, uh, on social media of you know people being barricaded in their in their flats. That obviously brought people out onto the streets. But it looks as though the Chinese authorities are taking note because just this morning I saw reports on Bloomberg that they're actually going to be looking at ramping up vaccines for the for the over 65s which are an underrepresented uh section of the economy there which haven't actually uh, got particularly high rates of vaccination so that's caused a big move in in markets you know we're looking at the china exposed companies leading the way in the FTSE 100 of course the miners prudential if you look at a lot of the Chinese-focused investment trusts listed in London, very strong performance from them. So it looks as though, Alan, we're moving away from this inflation story. We've been talking about inflation all, all year. Um, you know, and markets may be focusing on, on growth. But you know, is that a blip, do you feel, Alan? Or do you think that we could see, see a 
sustained change in the narrative towards one where markets are focusing on the underlying growth figures as opposed to inflation figures and what central banks are going to be doing next? Well, of course, John, if China, um, if China really is making moves to try and get to grips with the vaccine issue, I, I saw some data uh, yesterday actually on the efficacy of the CoronaVac, that's the Chinese vaccine, which I think is at about 70%, is have a, has 70% efficacy. The Pfizer beyond, uh, 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 the Pfizer uh, beyond tech, um, um solution, of course, is much more efficacious. It's a 90% success rate. But um, but certainly, I think the Chinese authorities, given the, the wave of protests and the scale of the protests too, um, have to address the issue. And I think, um, I think uh, you know, with calls for Xi Jinping to stand down, um, it's, a, you know, it's a pretty brave, um, it's a pre- pretty brave person that does that in China nowadays. But I think uh, uh, the Chinese are seeing, uh, you know, with, with Iran, the, the wave of protests in Iran about uh, over, over female rights in Iran, um, the world is changing. Um, so, of course, what that will mean is that if the Chinese government uh, focuses on rolling out this vaccine, then the economy will recover quicker uh, with all of the implications that has for stocks and funds that are focused on that region. And as we know, it's the world's powerhouse. It consumes more raw materials than any other country in the world. Um, and once the once the economy returns and the the pace of growth continues in China. That's the expansion, both the 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 expansion in terms of of building and infrastructure uh, and mo- modernization of this vast country. Um, it's going to feed, of course, to every uh, to, to to every indices across the world. So I think the strength we're seeing certainly in the FTSE and in the uh, across the the other indices um, is reflective. Of that, um, there are going to be bumps along the road, of course, um, and uh, you know we've seen some pretty uh, shocking scenes over the weekend with uh, people carted away from protesting, and uh, the Chinese government now saying they've taken notes uh, that, that they they've noted all the people that have attended, and they'll be following up on that, which uh, sounds pretty ominous. But um, it, you know you can you you can put out you can put out a little fire here and there, but you can't put out. Uh, um, a, a blaze of opinion and um, and uh, a, a wave of opinion from from the populace. You know, the given that this is so uh, so so uh, visible on global media nowadays, um, the Chinese government will have to change their their outlook on this. So so it is positive for the economy. And as you rightly say, you know, the focus is now starting to move away from inflation. Uh, you know, on, on the domestic front, of course, we've already had indications from the Bank of England that uh, um, the expected peak for interest rates will be 4.5% next year, not the initial 6% that was uh, that was initially cited. Um, you know, it, it's not going to be a party. Uh, we're, we're in recession and it's going to hurt. But um, I think, you know, given the numbers that we're seeing from some of the major companies reporting now, um, of course, you know, these numbers are are backward looking in a sense, but um, uh, I, I think we can take some comfort from that. And um, uh, we can see that the the valuation of the FTSE is being supported by earnings growth and uh, companies delivering on um, on the forecasts that were made earlier this year or even late last year. Yes, yes, in, in, indeed. I mean, I think that story is going to play out for, for, for the rest of this year. 
I mean, just going back to China, it, it's you know the, the, the leader there had some questions raised about what his agenda was going to be when he was uh, confirmed for his third term there. But just looking at the reaction in the last week, they cut their triple R rates, uh, which will mean that the banks are able to inject more cash into the economy. And as a reaction to the protests over the weekend, they've really sort of looked into what the issues are uh, there. And, you know, of course, it's you know, sort of, I don't know what's going to happen to some of those people that were out on the street, but the authorities definitely listened to them and, you know, looking at really rolling out the, the vaccines in a big way really tells the global markets that China are still focused on the economy and still focused on uh, on, on growth. And, you know, that's really playing out in, in markets this morning. And obviously, just add to what you said there, you know, the Federal Reserve looking at a slower rate of pay, slower pace of uh, of rates going forward. You know, that's uh, that's a big positive for for markets. So we could well have a have a Santa rally, Alan. I mean, that's something we'll discuss in in December. But uh, you know, it looks like we're setting up. You know, that there's uh, there's a few things that are aligning at the moment. Yeah, which are looking a little bit positive. Yeah, it it it, it could be good. And I think uh, I think um, if we can see if we can see. Uh, I think the retail sector um, uh, seeing seeing a splurge of spend over the next few weeks, then I think that'll give a lot of encouragement to to just to 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 markets and to the population in general. You know, looking forward into next year, it's not going to be an easy ride, and I expect there'll be a lot of profit warnings after Christmas and uh, in the trading statements from retailers. But you know, if we can have that splurge in in the run up to Christmas, it'll certainly certainly help the um, help sentiment and, and and help propel us into into next year indeed indeed so Alan now let's move on to the first stop we're going to discuss today easy jets now looking at the share price it doesn't really reflect the headline number here because they actually had a record quarter but you know obviously with with all of these reports of devils in the details so what have easyjet said this morning Alan well as you rightly say John I mean record numbers you know full year revenues uh, up from one and a half billion to nearly six billion as the travel restrictions um, eased um, capacities up to eighty one uh, from twenty eight million seats to eighty one million seats and load factor um, is also up 13, uh, 13 points to eighty five point five percent so that's you know that that's really uh, that that's the litmus test to to see just how um, how effective the airlines are in selling their seats, and, and that's pretty good. And um, you know, that l- looking at uh, looking at um, the the performance over the year, that the company um, the company uh, reported an underlying loss of one one seventy eight million, even so. But that's versus a loss of one point one billion last year. And of course, um, the company has been hit by weaker sterling uh, in the wake of the um, the the Brexit. Uh, uh, or, or the, both in the way in the wake of Brexit, and also of course the uh, the trust and Quateng uh, debacle. Um, but cash flow is up, um, and uh, certainly uh, looking forward, um, inflationary pressures are expected to ease next year. You know, I mentioned just now that of course uh, you know we could be looking at uh, uh, this sort of inflation having peaked, and uh, with a focus now shifting on to onto growth. Um, but even so, it's it, it's it's hard to call going forward. Um, obviously, EasyJet isn't paying a dividend at the moment. Um, share prices, well, the shares have been as high as 730p on the year, as low as 277p. Currently trading at 373p, uh, a little off on the numbers this morning, 2% down on the numbers this morning. But 
that's uh, not not unusual for a major company reporting nowadays. You'll often see the the old adage um, "buy the rumor, sell the news" as uh, as investors sell out on the numbers. Um, and and of course, we've got this uncertainty going forward. Um, although uh, we don't have the COVID restrictions at the moment, there's always the possibility that we could get a new variant along, and and uh, there could be partial lockdowns again. But I think I, I think looking at the, the way the government's handled the, the vaccine crisis. And, you know, we mentioned that the efficacy of the vaccines just now, the Pfizer-BioNTech um, vaccine, uh, extremely uh, effective, uh, over 90% efficacy rates. And of course, those are being rolled out now. Um, the uh, the fourth boosters are being rolled out. Um, uh, but, but certainly looking forward um, uh, to next year, I think uh, if we do get, if, if we have a, an inverted commas normal um, uh, winter season, uh, then of course uh, people would be looking to book their holidays next year um, and get away uh, regardless. And it's really just a question of um, available income, perhaps the the deals and the packages that are, are on offer from the airlines, and of course, given EasyJets uh, is good at selling those seats and getting the load factors up on each plane, then it could be. Given the numbers uh, that is reported uh, for the last year, we could see those numbers improve, and of course, a return to profit, which would put it on a different footing altogether. Um, there could even then, at some stage, be a return to the dividend. Um, I mean, in my view on the shares now, um, if I held the shares, which I don't, I would continue to hold them. I probably wouldn't buy them right now, but certainly, given that they are uh, towards year lows, I think at some point. Uh, as we come into, uh, as we move into next spring, they they could offer a decent buying opportunity for an uplift over the summer months. Indeed, indeed. I mean, one one thing that stands out for me is EasyJet did raise a hell of a lot of cash during the uh, at the struggles of the of the pandemic, and you know, sort of looking at what you know, it's, it's been a really tough time for them. And of course, they had the pandemic, and they come out into a, an inflationary environment, which is eroding their customers' spending and, and discretionary spending. So, just getting themselves back on track, and you know, that's it's a bit of a kick in the teeth. You know, looking at their at their balance sheets, I think any weakness in these shares is something that's you know definitely warrants putting them on a on a watch list because you know there's always going to be a desire, and I can't see anything changing for this for people to travel, and you know companies like EasyJet are the facilitator of that, and with the capacity that they've they've got there, they can they can uh, you know reduce it, increase it as they as they see fit as as, as they have done so. You know they can be fairly flexible. They've got through some very very tough times. They've got us. So any weakness, I think, in uh, in EasyJet does warrant uh, you know having a, a harder look into the to the numbers of this of this company. So I mean, sorry, moving on now, Alan, sorry, sorry, just sorry, pick up on that point, John. I mean, EasyJet has one of the best and strongest balance sheets across its 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 peer group, if you like. So that's certainly something to take into account. But um, um, certainly, the chief exec Johan Lundgren uh, was very bullish about um, the opportunities next year. They're targeting customer growth, well placed to drive returns and margins, whilst controlling those costs carefully. But um, they're, they're ready to take opportunities. So you know, if there is an upswing in demand, then EasyJet can instantly move in with its with its big marketing war chest and just uh, and just uh, pick up the the business that's there. That's there. Certainly, it, it's got. Probably the strongest brand of the low cost airlines and the the strongest balance sheet for sure um, going forward for sure. Indeed, indeed. So we're going to finish off Alan with uh, with a company 
Uh, it's small acquisitions. It's a SPAC. Of course, you know, some years ago, SPACs were all the were all the rage. So it looks as though they've, uh, you know, potentially got a, got a deal on the table. Indeed. So th- th- this is, um, I-, I recorded an interview with uh, Doc Holly last week and um, and uh, I do actually hold these, uh, uh, I-, I hold these shares and uh, the warrants that came with it. And um, it's a fascinating story. And again, uh, we, we, the, the SPAC story has been well aired on on many uh, shows and many podcasts, of course, John. But um, but uh, more acquisitions does seem to have an extremely exciting opportunity on its hands. Um, it announced on the twenty third of September this year that um, it was uh, the, the proposed acquisition of Megasteel, and of course the suspension of trading in its uh, in its stock um and the shares were um the shares were basically uh, uh, suspended at 0.9p um and uh, the company announced that uh, it's had uh, signed heads of terms to acquire 100% of the issued share capital of Megasteel which has been looking to looking for a listed vehicle for some time of course that's the great thing with a SPAC it's listed all of the hoops and hurdles that you have to go through to list a vehicle those have all been completed by the company. Um, so um, Megasteel is going to be valued through the acquisition between 49 and 63 million. Um, and this company has been around for um, over 30 years. It's one of the largest, largest stockholders and distributors of high quality steel that's used in pre-stressing and post-tensioning of concrete. Um, and this is, it's a key, a key building material. Um, but as opposed to, um, as a, as opposed to uh, uh, actually manufacturing, it, it's in effect a broker. And the company's been doing this for 30 years. It basically uh, sources the steel and gets it out to suppliers. It's got a very efficient business. And, um, you know, the, the, the profits uh, the profits that the company make are pretty substantial. Um, in uh, the, the last year ended 31st October 2021, Megastore reported ordered pre-tax profits of 3 million on turnover of just over... 20 million so you know it, it's it's a very very strong business and um i know uh, you know speaking to uh, doc and a few others who've spoken to the chief exec nigel roberts um he's he's very matter of fact he doesn't um uh, he doesn't uh, uh, um use use any more language that's needed other than to describe the business you know we we get the steel we uh, we sell it on and uh, we make profits that way, and that's what they've been doing for thirty years. Um, and uh, you know the uh, the fit for more acquisitions for them as their listed their listed vehicle of choice, um, he said was pretty well a slam dunk. So it's it's an exciting business. Um, so the the uh, the acquisition will um, will issue these new shares at two point two five p. So there's considerable uplift on. The uh, on the closing price of 0.9p, and there'll also be some warrants that will 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 chime in with that too. Um, and of course, those warrants will be in the market pretty well from day one. So it, it's an it's a very exciting play. Obviously, when that, when it completes, uh, we don't know yet. But um, given that uh, this announcement was made on the 23rd of September, it will probably take a couple of months to complete. But um, certainly, given the timing, you know, given the the fact that we're emerging from COVID, given that uh, economies are recovering. And of course, we have this backlog 
from uh, from from COVID when where, where economies across the world just stopped dead. So there's a nascent demand there that will need to be addressed. And by the sound of it, given Mega Steel's history, its network of distribution, it's going to be in a very strong position to address that. Indeed, indeed. Of course, these type of plays are are only for the adventurous investor. But, you know, sort of looking at the, the underlying business there, there could be some value to be had uh, for those investors that like to get involved in uh, in such deals. So uh, just as a recap of the stocks that we discussed today, first of all, was EasyJet with a ticker of EZJ and just then was more acquisitions with a ticker of TMOR. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, John. So just as a reminder to the note I made at the beginning of the podcast, do sign up to the virtual conference coming up on the 7th of December on the UK Investor Magazine website in the events section or do check out the notes to this podcast. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.